0: This is the 5 After 40 podcast, episode number 10.
1: I think sometimes this fear or this lack of confidence will keep us from taking that first step. When in reality, it's that first step that is going to like teach us the thing that we need to take the next step, and then the next, and then the next.
0: This is the 5 After 40 podcast, a show where I dive into the fire movement to see what financial independence is all about. I'll share the steps I've taken to start my journey toward becoming financially independent. And along the way, I'll bring in others who are on a path of their own. You'll hear stories and advice from people who have reached their version of FI and from those like me who are still finding their way. This is a show for anyone who wants to learn, grow, and connect with others. This is FI After 40. Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Ben, and you're listening to the 5 After 40 Podcast, episode number 10. Today, I have an amazing guest on the show. We're going to hear from Jessica, who's with thefioneers.com. She and her husband have been hosting a financial independence blog for the last couple of years and have really focused on the concept of slow-fi. Uh, In a nutshell, it's the idea that you're enjoying your life on the way to financial independence, uh, as opposed to the more traditional approach with FIRE, where you're really just trying to get there as quickly as possible by saving as much as possible. We have a great conversation about the importance of that journey that I think you'll get a lot out of. Uh, And she actually flips the tables on me and has some pretty insightful questions about my own journey, which was pretty interesting. Um, Pay particular attention to the segment where we discuss how limiting beliefs are something that can hold you back from making changes in your life. I think that's a really helpful concept that people will also gain a lot from. I think there's a lot of inspiration to be learned from her perspective on this um, as she's been overcoming those limiting beliefs in her own life. Uh, before we get to the interview, just a reminder to subscribe to the podcast. Um, we've got some incredible guests coming up in the next few weeks. So I'm really excited to get those episodes published and share those with you. Uh, if you like what you've heard, definitely share these episodes with someone else in your life that you might know who would gain something from it. I think it's, uh, you know, the word of mouth has really been growing with the uh, podcast. And so I'm happy to get the feedback and the responses from people. Um, definitely leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to the podcast. Um if you need to reach out to me, I love hearing from people through social media. You can get me at FiAfter40 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And now let's get to the conversation with Jessica. Alright, so today we have Jessica from the Fioneers here with us. Uh, she's the co-founder of the along with her husband Corey. Uh, The blog is a uh, financial independence blog that was actually a 2019 Plutus Award winner for Best New Personal Finance Blog. Uh, Jessica, thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: So um, there's a few different things I wanted to spend some time talking through. I know you have a recent post that I really enjoyed reading through that talks through kind of the limiting beliefs of really taking a chance, uh, making a change, and you've got it from the angle of... Uh, pursuing some entrepreneurial um, endeavors, but uh, but first, let's jump in and just get a sense of kind of your story, your background, and hear how you got interested in the financial independence movement to begin with.
1: Awesome. Um, so, I am in my early to mid-30s, um, and I learned about financial independence when I was 30 years old, um, A little bit more about me before we get into that. I live in Boston, Massachusetts, so a high cost of living area. A lot of people think that you can't pursue FI in high cost of living areas. We definitely have shown people that you can. Um, And my husband and I both have spent our entire careers working in nonprofit organizations. Um, And so oftentimes people also think you need a really, really high income from the very beginning to achieve financial independence. And we've also shown that not to be the case as well. Um, So in terms of learning about financial independence, I learned about it when I was 30. My husband actually knew about financial independence for a while um, before I did. Um, But he knew about it, but he wasn't convinced that it was right for us because he always heard, you know, people talking about how you have a high paying job now, you then retire early and then you like give back. Right. And we both worked in nonprofit organizations already, um, not making particularly high incomes. Um, And so we felt like it wasn't really for us. Um, Until we sort of advanced in our careers um, and got to a point where we realized like, oh, yeah, working in nonprofits is not all sunshine and rainbows all of the time. Yeah. And so, yeah, so I was in a position where I was starting to feel pretty burned out. Um, It was a pretty toxic organization. I had been there for about four years by the time I actually left um, and had, you know, worked my way, almost doubled my income during the time that I was there. Um, And there were consequences to that um, in stress, in time. Um, And so when I heard about financial independence, I was like, wow, this is a way that I can like get out of this. Right. So it was much more of a push. Right, I had a situation that was pushing me toward financial independence. Um, however, I wasn't like ready to commit to it right away because my picture of financial independence at that point in time was that I needed to stay in that toxic job, that toxic high-paying job, for the next ten years to be able to achieve financial independence. Yeah. Right, yeah. and that that was not appetizing to me. I was like, I don't want to stay in this job for another month, let alone another 10 years. Um, and so, you know, we I sort of thought about it and like didn't really commit to it. And then we continued to have conversations about it and basically deciding that like, we did not want our path to be the traditional path, the one where you try to make as much money as possible and save as much money as possible so you can retire as early as you possibly can. Right, yeah. um, like, I, you know, we knew that wasn't going to work for us because I did not want to be in the same space that I was in. Um, and so we decided that. And then about two weeks later... Things got really crazy at work. Um, I started having panic attacks um, and ended up taking about six months um, off of work. I, you know, At first, I thought it was going to be a few days, then a few weeks, um, and then it, it lasted for about six months. Um, I was able to get disability through my company um, and then ultimately decided to quit and not go back. Um, and that was a really, I think... Interesting thing to uh, you know. I guess interesting may not be the right word for it, but I think it was an interesting thing to experience right after making this commitment to say we want to pursue financial independence because Mm -hmm. it was like the absolute opposite of the traditional narrative of like make as money, make as much money as possible. Right. Um, You know, when I was basically looking at the options and saying, do I want to Keep working? Do I want to quit entirely? Do I want to take a leave of absence and get the disability insurance? Right. Um, and so it was a really, I think, foundational period of time for us to figure out what FI really means. Um, you know, because I think before, like, we were still sort of thinking that financial freedom was like all or nothing. Like, you either had reached FI or you hadn't reached FI. Um, and so it wasn't until I think we had experienced this significant challenge that we were able to actually look at our finances and say, "What is our What do our finances mean about what we can do right now?" Um, and once we did that, we realized, like, "Oh, you know, I could actually take a step back and work part time if I want to for you know however long that I would want." Um, or, you know, I didn't have to work for six months. We had a nine-month emergency fund, right? Like there were there were ways to, to look at it and to say like, wow, that actually means something now rather than being like, oh, there's this monopoly money in our account that we don't really know what it means or what it can do for us. Um, and so that, that was a really foundational experience for us to figure out that financial freedom really is this broader thing that you can start to utilize along the way.
0: Yeah, I think that the freedom aspect of that is something that you know people tend to focus when you talk about like the FIRE movement and that community, the retiring early part is obviously a part of that acronym, but for a lot of people, it's more about the flexibility to, mm-hmm. to when life happens that you're able to make choices that can point you in the right direction.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, then there was this decision of saying, like, okay, how can I use the financial freedom that I have now to build a life that I love today? Like, I'm not, I'm not financially independent, right? I couldn't quit my job and retire early. Right? But I could say, what do I really want? And how can I align my life with that now? Or work toward aligning my life with that? Right. And so that was a big part of taking deciding to do a part time job um, to be able to like have that balance and that flexibility to focus on mental and physical health, um, as well as to focus on passion projects and like things that I was excited about that I wanted to pursue in my free time um, and not be constantly exhausted and burned out and feeling like all I had time to do was work or recover.
0: Yeah. And I think you mentioned back, you know, a moment ago with the anxiety and the panic attacks. And I think you can only avoid those signals for so long in your life before, you know, you can kind of tuck it away and say, I got to push through this. This job is worth it. The salary is worth it or whatever the situation is. But eventually that's going to surface, you know, and it's your body Mm -hmm. has a way of of saying, hey, stop. You know, whatever you're doing mm-hmm. isn't working, and so, so yeah, listening to yourself and making that decision to say, okay, this, this is what makes the most sense for me, is mm-hmm. is a really, um, kind of an empowering decision that you can make.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, you have this. You have this really great quote that uh, I think it's it's uh, in the signature of, of your email at least, but I've, it's probably on your website as well. It says the journey to financial independence should be as remarkable as the destination. So I think that in in kind of a brief sentence really sums up a lot about what you're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, we definitely feel like there needs to be a balance. Um, you know, like I, we came up with the term called slow fi. Um, and the idea behind slow fi is that it's a mindset. And it's like a mindset of intentionality, of figuring out what you want to do today that aligns with the vision that you have for your ideal life in the long run.
0: Yeah, so that concept of slow-fi that you've brought up before, uh, how did you guys get to that point where this was really the the way that you were deciding to approach it rather than rushing to the, to the end and saving as much as you can, as you've mentioned, but more of, of focusing on that destination part of it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it was you know almost like maybe like 9 or 10 months into our our financial independence journey I think we had originally been thinking oh I would start my part-time job at 3 days a week and there was an option of going up to 4 days a week um and when my company asked me if I would do that I thought about it and we and we talked about it and we were like no we don't we don't need to do that right but I think the original plan was take care of my mental health for a period of time work back to full-time job then still quickly pursue financial independence right like that was that when we originally started that was our that was our plan but then we realized that what like why would we do that like our lives were so much better with me working 60%, I was like a hundred times happier, yeah. like had had really been able to manage the anxiety well um, and was pursuing projects on the side that could help us to build toward our ideal life in the long run, that it just like didn't make sense to do that. And then the interesting thing was as we looked at the finances part of it. Whereas we thought like, oh, me taking a 50% pay cut was going to dramatically impact our financial independence like timeline. Um, And we surprisingly realized it it didn't. We went from like a 60% savings rate to like a 56% savings rate. Because we weren't spending all of the money that we were on like takeout and convenient groceries and treating ourselves because we were so stressed and miserable, um, that we ended up saving about $17,000 in that first year, um, that we, that I quit my full-time job and we started to really work toward a life that we enjoyed more, um, that it reduced those spending triggers and, So that to us too, we looked at that and we were like, why, so why would we, why would I increase my work if like our timeline is slightly longer, um, but we're uh, like way, way, way happier. So it didn't make sense, um, at that point. Um, and then around that time, I was reading a book called Work Optional, um, by Tanya Hester, who writes the blog, Our Next Life, um. And she was talking about different types of ways to use financial freedom um, in that book. Um, And I think it introduced me to the fact of, like, people are taking mini retirements or people might be taking a semi-retired route where they might, you know, still be needing some active income but can cover some of their expenses with passive income. And that really introduced me to the idea that, like, Fire is a spectrum, that it isn't like you're fire or you're not. Right, yeah. Um, and so, you know, and I read that book and I started thinking like, this is great, but I want examples of this. Like there weren't a lot of examples in the book. It was just like, here's this theoretical idea of people being able to take mini retirements or semi-retire or do X, Y, Z things. And so I made it my mission after reading that book. And after writing a review, where where Tanya was was like, "Hey, I had these couple examples. <laughs> um, nice. I made it my mission to identify and amplify stories of people who were who were taking hold of the financial freedom along the way." Um, and so that started our slow fi interview series. Um, we've interviewed at this point about twenty people. Um, In that series um, of people who were taking intentional steps um, and making decisions to improve their lives, even if it would slow down their journey to FI. Um, And so the examples of people um, are are ones who have taken time off to travel the world um, or take mini retirements or sabbaticals, people who have decided to quit side hustles um, because they were time consuming and wanted to spend their time doing other more valuable things in building relationships in their lives. People who've started their own businesses, people who've decided to quit their job in freelance, work part-time, work seasonally, right? There are so many people who are making decisions like this. They're just not the people that we hear from in the FIRE movement. Most of the time we hear about the extreme examples. And so... I think it's important for people to see that people are pursuing financial freedom and they're living lives that they love. um, And they're figuring out how to do that along the way. And that's a lot more accessible to people. Um, And so that's really how this idea came about is that it's not, like Slow Fight is not a particular number. It's not like a particular approach. Like it is a mindset to say, I'm going to figure out what I want and I'm going to figure out how to make it happen along the way um, to, to reaching FI and not waiting until you have to retire early to do that.
0: Yeah. There's, there's a lot of stories out there. I think to your point, a lot of what you might see initially is, is more of that extreme, you know, save extremely high amounts and retire as early as possible. And there's a lot of, I, like most things in life, it's on a spectrum, and I think that's important for people to realize that it there isn't like a blueprint like this is the way to do it, that you can make some choices and decide what's most important to you. is it Is it still working some and traveling like you like you pointed out? Um, there's a lot of different options that people have and it's I think your the Slowfi series, the interviews, um, those are great examples that people can can use just as a reference point. I think when you've seen other people do it, It just helps you a little bit more to kind of take that step and maybe step outside of your comfort zone a little bit.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think the idea behind it was if we have more examples of people who are doing this kind of thing, we will all be more courageous in being able to work toward the vision and the goals that we have.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great transition over. So I, I had mentioned at the beginning of this conversation that you had a post recently about um, limiting beliefs that hold you back from kind of taking some of those, um, taking initiative and taking some steps towards maybe a, a challenge or a scary thing or being, you know, opening a business or starting something new. Um, so let's jump over and, and talk through some of those points because I think those are really relevant to that Conversation, and I think it's a it's a helpful perspective for people to have, really regardless of what they're going through in life. Um, a lot of the people that I've connected with um, since starting uh, the the podcast and the blog are, you know, it's people that are kind of initially jumping into this movement, and and there's a lot of hesitation with making major life changes. So, so when you sat down to put this piece together, what was the driver to get you motivated to outline it and kind of organize it in the way that you did?
1: So I think the main driver for me was um, a a little bit of background um, is I just started a coaching business where I was doing, you know, I'm doing group um, like courses and classes on and helping people to figure out what is that vision for their ideal life? Um, Because it's hard to do. It's hard to come up with. Um, And, you know, I was, realizing that throughout the whole process of building the business and building the blog over the last couple of years, I've had so many internal barriers or limiting beliefs that could have held me back um, that I have been able to work through. And when I shared one with someone um, a few weeks ago, I shared some of them and she was like, really, you experience these things too? Um and at that point I was like, oh, I have to share this now. Like I can't like let my whole audience continue to believe that like I have all of it together. You know, because I feel like what's so important is that you know, if I can help people to understand that like they aren't alone in the ways that they're feeling and in the things that could hold them back. Like that's huge because we all need other people to be able to like help us move forward. And I want to help be that for, for others.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's funny because when you think about people who are like motivational speakers or people that are, you know, leading others towards change, you almost assume like, wow, this person really like, they've got life together and I need to just like follow their plan. (laughs) And then you realize at some point that like everyone's, kind of a mess, you know, in some way, mm-hmm. shape, or form, and they've had to overcome things. And so I think normalizing
1: mm-hmm. that it's
0: that like, yeah, yeah I, I hesitated with this, or this was really tough for me to to kind of convince myself to do or to take that step is mm-hmm. it's it's vulnerable, but that makes it authentic. That may, I think mm-hmm. that makes it easier for you to connect yeah. with those people you're trying to help.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. and And I think it's, I mean, I think it's so important. And I think everyone who any of us are inspired by has a community of people who are supporting them. Like no one is moving through any of these processes alone or they would never get anywhere. Right. We all have, and we all need communities of people and coaches and, you know, people that were people who can support us. Um, And I just think about how I have a accountability partner, um, who's also a coach, um, and a blogger. And we have these lovely conversations every week where she talks about what she's struggling with. I talk about what I'm struggling with. And then we both provide encouragement to each other. And we're like, Oh, that is the encouragement that I could be giving myself, but it's like so much easier to give it to someone else and like not apply it to yourself um and so i think this was an effort to one really help people to understand that like they're not alone and it's okay to reach out to people because we can't we can't do this alone like we're not going to be successful if we try to
0: right and that's actually the the first um the first belief on on the list mm-hmm. is i should be able to figure all of this out by myself so i think that's mm-hmm. the, right in line with what you're talking about is that <laughs> And, and I'm somebody who definitely falls into that category of like, I'll cycle through something in my head for weeks and months trying to mm-hmm. figure it out and come to that conclusion when I could probably just sit down and talk through it with somebody in a couple of hours mm-hmm. and come come to a conclusion right there on the spot. But there's this tendency that people have just mm-hmm. to try to like tackle it all by themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so when I was starting my coaching business, I think I was coming up with the idea was really easy. Right. Like when you're thinking about something in a way that's theoretical, it's like, oh, yeah, this is totally going to be successful. We've seen this. Other people have done this. It's great. I'm so excited about it. And then when you start to actually put words on a page, you're like, oh, my gosh, like I'm putting myself out there. I could totally fail at this and then everyone's going to see it and know kind of thing. Um, Right. So it's that sort of act of taking something from theory to actual practice I think that starts to feel really scary Um, but then also starts to for me at least make me feel like oh I have to go over everything in my head and think about all of the details and you know think about like well I could do this or I could do this thing that is slightly different and which one is better right and and so for me having people to talk through some of those particular ideas to be like, you know, and and I worked with a coach um, who was super helpful, you know, because she, in some t- in some cases, she was able to say like, oh, this is the best practice. But in many cases, she was like, well, which one feels better to you? Do that. Because there's no right or wrong way to do this. Just like choose one and do it. And then you'll adapt later if it doesn't work. But like, just choose one. Um, and so I think that for me was the part of the power of community and this was just being able to say like, no, just go with your gut reaction sometimes. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. And that's, I think the second point on your, on your list is I should know that something will be successful before trying it. And, you know, <laughs> you don't know right? You don't know Mm -hmm. if it's going to be successful. So you do, at some point, you just have to take that plunge and, and understand Mm -hmm. that you're going to, you're going to figure some of this out along the way and that's okay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for, for that one, it's, it's hard. It's hard to put yourself out there and it's hard to say like, I really want something, um, without knowing that it'll be successful. Um, I don't know why that is such a hard thing for people to do. Um but it it definitely is. For me, I think I you know, it's there's that the thinking around like the fixed versus the growth mindset. And so with a growth mindset, people are sort of believing that every step is a step that helps them learn and grow and build. Um whereas People with a fixed mindset think that their basic qualities and in intelligence are just fixed traits. Right. And so, if, if we sort of fall into that mindset, I think we can believe that if we don't experience success, that we're actually exposing our weakness rather than saying, no, if I take this step and I don't do well, I'm actually learning from that so I can pivot and adapt. Um, as I need to. So there's, you know, definitely that, that sort of thought process of realizing that, like, it's okay, if something doesn't work 100% right, the first time, like, we're gonna shift and adapt and change. And that's something I think that I hear from people who are entrepreneurs all the time, is that the first idea, like, doesn't usually work.
0: Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's another example of something that, you know, Like you said, on paper, logically, something, the whole concept of, like, learn from your mistakes. You hear that from when you're a kid. You understand the Mm -hmm. logic behind it. Like, oh, yeah, you you mess up, and then you learn. You don't do it that way the next time. But then when you're actually facing it in real life, all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. it's a lot scarier when you're talking about a business decision or making some major life change. There's a lot more Mm -hmm. consequence behind it. So the Mm -hmm. idea of failing or or, or falling flat is a lot scarier. Mm-hmm.
1: The one thing that really helped me with that was thinking about what is the actual worst case scenario? I think sometimes things feel scarier if it, there's just like this nebulous, like, I don't know what would happen if this happens. Um, but for me, if I actually think through it and I think like, well, what was the worst thing that could happen, right? right? The worst thing that could happen was I learned a lot doing something that I enjoyed doing anyways and that I didn't make money at it right away and then I could pivot and adjust, but like, I wasn't doing it because I needed the money. So like there was very actual little risk, um, in a sort of concrete sense. Right. But it still sort of internally felt like that felt like there was in some ways, um, that I still needed to work through.
0: So I'll jump to number five on the list. Um, It's, I need to feel totally confident before moving forward. So what's the kind of thought process behind that?
1: I think the thought process behind that is that, like, we all want to feel confident in moving forward in the things that we're doing. But I think the reality is, is that that is not necessarily possible if you're doing something new, right? And I think that's something that I realized that I was stepping out to do something completely different that I had never done before. And I wanted to have anticipated all of the challenges that would arise. Um, and I was kind of getting down on myself when I realized that I didn't. Um, you know, and I needed to pull myself back from that and I needed to say like no, this is literally the first time that you're doing this. There's no way that you could have like anticipated all of the challenges you know and so sort of giving myself my own pep talk in my head to say you you can't you can't anticipate everything like these are things that are arising in the moment that you could not have possibly known beforehand that could be challenges right and i think that's the the most important part about getting started right is that i think sometimes this fear or this lack of confidence will keep us from taking that first step When in reality, it's that first step that is going to like teach us the thing that we need to take the next step and then the next and then the next. Um, A friend of mine, as I was working through this, told me something really powerful that stuck with me is that we can't wait until we're confident or that we feel confident to move forward. Like that feeling of confidence will never come. Because the thing that builds confidence is taking action, like, repeatedly. And once you keep taking action, that is the thing that actually builds confidence. Um, and so if you wait, you'll never actually take action. Because you'll never feel confident if the thing that, re- that confidence requires is to take action.
0: Yeah, and, and I've seen that um there's an element of that imposter syndrome that people face where I need to be an expert in this area if, if I want to help mm-hmm. you know, tell people about it. And I yep. you know, I think anyone who started a blog or a podcast or a counseling you know, uh, a course or a session like that that you you face some element of of saying, am mm-hmm. I really qualified to talk about this, mm-hmm. and and to to try to lead other people when I know mm-hmm. I'm having these self doubts behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's yeah, again, at some point you just need to you won't become an expert or or really build that authority until you dive into it and, and really mm-hmm. start working through. Yeah,
1: can I turn the questions around and ask you? Wow. Have you have you experienced any of these limiting beliefs or any of these challenges as you've been starting your blog and podcast?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think um so one of the things I've found is when I I've, I've thought about doing a blog and a podcast for a while and uh, it it was So, and I'll even say initially, like maybe a year, year and a half ago, I was really getting into like the concept of real estate investing and I was listening to all the bigger pocket stuff and really digging into that. And and I wanted to get more involved in that community, but I was, I really hesitated because I don't have a multifamily property. I have not invested in real estate. I'm not an expert in this area. What am I going to bring to the table? And so then when I kind of transitioned over to more of a general financial independence thing, to me, that felt, I felt more comfortable doing it because at this point I'm just telling my story and I feel like, you know, you've talked about that spectrum you don't have to have gotten there to whatever that, wherever there is, you don't Mm -hmm. have to have gotten there to tell other people what steps you've taken. I mean, we're kind of, a lot of us are figuring this out as we go. And, Mm -hmm. and that just clicked for me and it made sense for me to say, yeah, I've got a story I feel like people might want to hear. And I definitely want to get it out of my head because it's been spinning around in there for far too long. Um, But until you start doing it and getting feedback and getting a reaction, yeah, you don't really know. And and I'm glad that I just took that plunge and started doing it because I feel like I've already, even in the couple of months that I've been doing this, I've I've learned a lot. And I've also, more importantly, made a lot of connections with people that I can learn more from.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that you mentioned that I really liked was this idea that you're just sharing your story right? Yeah. Because I think that that's basically what any of us are doing, right? Like all we're doing is helping people to hear like, this is what we've done. And sort of turning around and sharing that with the people behind you. And that's it, right? Like, I don't need to have some expertise that and and sort of know everything that everyone needs. I can say like, well, this is what I know. So other people know other things. But like I'm speaking from, from my own experience and I'm in process. Um, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I actually prefer to read blogs and to listen to podcasts and to like connect with people in this community who are on the path and who are like experiencing the the challenges and talking with us about the challenges that they're experiencing and the joys that they're experiencing along the way. Um, you know, once someone actually like reaches retirement and actually retires early, it's like, eh, great, you did it. And now I'm less interested to read what you have to say. Um, I'm definitely much more interested to, to hear about the process.
0: And uh, yeah. And I think it's also, I think this is something that requires encouragement and, and to kind of keep pushing you forward. And when you, when you see someone that's like, Oh, I saved $1.5 million and, and you're starting off early in the process that, that can almost be so overwhelming that you are like, well, I'm, I'm never going to get to that point. So I'm not even going to try to do this. And so hearing people that are, that are, Hey, I still got, I'm down to $50,000 in debt, you know, and, and mm-hmm. all the way up to people who are, yeah, my net worth has moved up to this number and it's, kind of what's, I think, challenging is it's good to see other examples, but you also want to be careful not to spend too much time comparing yourself to other people because Mm -hmm. we all come from such different places in life and we're all at different ages and at different life Mm -hmm. points. And so it's more for me just hearing that kind of encouragement that I really gain. And you get that from people at all different points on the path.
1: Mm Yep, absolutely.
0: The the other thing, and and actually I I wanted to ask you about this is something i've been thinking about a little bit is is there's kind of the echo chamber of the kind of fi community and which is in a lot of ways really good but i've heard a lot of and i haven't spent a lot of time talking to people outside of that circle and that's something that i think i'm I'm curious if you have and what the reaction is because i know that a lot of people that try to bring this concept outside of the facebook groups that they're in and the blogs Mm. that they read there, people kind of, you know, tilt their heads a little bit to say, well, what are you talking about saving 50% of your income? Um, so what's, I guess, what's your reaction if you have talked to people outside of this community to some of these things that you've worked towards? Like, do people all mm. in your life all know that you write a blog and that you do all this stuff? Or is that something that's kind of a side thing that you don't necessarily talk about with everybody?
1: Good question. So our, m- my family is familiar with the fact that we write a blog as well as some of our closest friends. Um, we don't share it publicly and widely, mainly because Corey, my husband, still works full time, um, and so doesn't want that sort of message that that's not his goal um, to sort of get out there with his his employer. Um, whereas I'm a little bit more like, yeah, I'll talk with anyone and everyone about it. Um, however, even though everyone doesn't know about the blog. I often find myself talking about finances with people. Um, And I think for me, it's less about talking about like, there's this thing called financial independence and you can retire early and all of that. Um, I think I tend to connect with people more around, like what are their dreams and goals? Um, And how could they make that happen? Right. And so there was, um, well, there's, you know, I have a lot of opportunities to talk with people about why I work part time. Um, most people tend to not understand that, that their first response is like, oh, how old are your kids? And I'm like, right. oh, I, I don't have kids. Right. Oh, so why are you working part time? Um, you know, and I get to tell them, like, oh, well, we're in a financial situation where I don't need to work a full time job, and I have this, you know, wonderful life where I can like spend my time doing things that I want to on the weekend, and I'm no longer burned out, you know. So I get to talk about that pretty often. Um, and then there was a situation at work which was kind of funny, it was like this happy hour thing and people in my work are weird and so we all if someone wanted to go around and everyone wanted to share like if you could live somewhere else if you could like start all over again where would like where would you live you know and I thought about it and I was like you know like I live in Boston and I think I'd live in Boston like I've made intentional life choices and I'm like living where I want to be and doing what I want to be doing, like for the most part. I think there's still ways to to improve that and ways that I'm working toward that. Um, but everyone was like, "Really? What? Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> they were like, "Why? You know?" And I was like, "Well, you know, I this is this. I'm doing what I want to be doing." Um, and then there was a colleague of mine who was like. I wouldn't live anywhere. She's like, I would get a like awesome camper van and I would travel around the country and do, you know, whatever. And I just looked at her and I was like, you know, you can do that, right? And she was like, what? Really? And I was like, yes, you could do that. I was like, you work in marketing, like you could absolutely get freelance work and you could travel around the country full time. You know, and, and for her, like we ended up having like going out for drinks a couple of weeks later to talk about it. Um, but I think it's that, that moment of being able to connect with people around like what their core dreams and desires are and then saying, well, that's, that's possible if you can get to this level of financial freedom, um, and you don't have to somehow retire early to decide you want to buy a camper van and travel around the country like people can make money still doing that um, was really eye opening for her um, and I think really helped her see like financial freedom in a different light. Um, you know, and I didn't talk with her about financial independence or, like, getting to the point where you don't have to work for income anymore, right? Because for me, like, yeah, you eventually want to get there, but, like, that's not the point, right? Right. The point is figuring out what your dr- big dreams and goals are and being able to achieve them, regardless of whether you still need income or not.
0: Yeah, it's amazing the limitations that people just kind of arbitrarily put there in front of themselves. And it's it's something that I've always, I think back to my, most of my adult life, I've kind of, I had this, I accepted this fact of, I'm just gonna be paycheck to paycheck. Like, that's just what people do, that they're, they have debt, they're paycheck to paycheck, they figure out a way to make it work. And that's, that's just life. And it's so easy to buy into that because, you know, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to, to kind of snap out of that sometimes until maybe you even have a simple conversation with somebody who's coming from a different place Mm -hmm. and it just all of a sudden there's these little inflection points where you just start to think about things differently. And I think what it it comes down to mindset really more than Mm -hmm. anything is it's just accepting Mm -hmm. the fact that you can make those choices Mm -hmm. regardless of, of what your career is, where you live, how old you are. You can still make choices that can open up that, that range of options and, and mm-hmm. find your, your dream scenarios.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a combination of two things, right? And I think similar to what you're saying, it's a combination of one, realizing that you can do something different, right? So like realizing there are actually other options available, but I don't think that's enough. I think then you need to know what is that vision for that thing that I actually want? Which will then inspire you to make the change. Um, Right, I think it's
0: both. Yep, 100%. So what I'll do is I'll, um, th- again, the article that we were talking about, I'll link to that in the show notes. It's got a great summary. There's some more information that we didn't get to, but um, but definitely take some time to read through that if you're listening. And I think there's um, not only these seven um, limiting beliefs, but also some techniques that you pointed out to help overcome those. I think we touched on a little bit, but um, definitely worth digging into a little further. So, one thing I wanted to jump to you as we kind of wrap things up is um, is uh, you touched on this a little bit earlier um, in the conversation, but starting to think about how does this impact this this pursuit of financial independence? How does it impact people who are starting later in life? So is there any kind of general advice or thoughts that you might have for somebody who is really just starting to think about this in their you know kind of mid-career, later career and and just learning about this for the first time. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the great thing about this sort of slow-fi mindset for people who are starting a little bit later is that the focus isn't on getting to a goal that's unattainable, right? Because for for some people, the goal is like, I want to retire by 30 or 35 or... 37 or whatever, like that's if you're if you're above 40, like that's not a possibility, right? And I was having a conversation with someone who was retiring at 30 and it was like, great, that is not an option for me. Cause I didn't even learn about it till I was 30, right? And that's still that's still young, but it's not, you know, it's not something that I could say, oh, and then I'm gonna be financially independent in two years, right? So I think that's that's part of it is is knowing that it's okay you know and not comparing yourself to the 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 pretty extreme examples in the community um, i think the second thing about about the slow fi mindset is that it's it's a balance right and so it's a balance of saying yes i do want to be financially independent someday right and for me that could be a traditional retirement age right because the focus is much more on how do I build a life that I love right now, even though I still need to generate income, right? Because it's possible to do that. And I think people sometimes don't think that it is. They think that like similar to what I did early on was to reach financial independence, I need to stay in this toxic job for 10 years, right? Instead, it's possible for us to say, what are the other ways that we could generate income? Like, could I get a job that I enjoy more? And would it be okay to get paid a little bit less if it's something that I enjoy more and provides me with more balance? Because, you know, it, it's possible that you could actually spend less money if you are enjoying your life more, right? Um, right? Or there's ways for people to start thinking about, is there a way that I can make something I really love into a business? right? So that's an option too. Or taking skills that you have and doing freelancing work to provide you with flexibility, right? And so looking at it and saying, what are the different options for generating income? Because I still need it, right? Um, But is there a way to align that with a way that's going to help me to enjoy my life more along the way?
0: Yep. And that like, it goes back to what you had said, uh, in that, in that quote, it's that the journey should be as remarkable as the destination. So, um, it's great advice, great insight. Um, if people want to learn more about your journey and follow you and hear more about what you're working towards, where can they, where can they keep track of that?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, they can connect with us. Our blog is com. Um, we're on social media, um, Twitter and Instagram at The Fioneers. Um, and then we also have a private Facebook group called SlowFi Fi Enthusiasts, um, and people can find that at slash FB.
0: Awesome. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on today. This was a great conversation. I definitely learned a lot. I think people inter- uh, listening will also get a lot from it. So thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So I want to thank Jessica for coming on again today. Uh, Her perspective on the importance of taking that first step in order to gain confidence is such a valuable piece of advice. Uh, I also loved hearing from her that she makes an effort to listen to podcasts and read blogs from people who are facing those challenges and are earlier in the path to FI rather than just focusing on people who have already gotten there. So uh, her focus on the process is really a great reminder for all of us uh, if getting to FI is the only thing you're focused on, then you're really missing out. So that's something I really wanna highlight. Uh, The steps to reach your goal are far more impactful than crossing over that finish line. So I want everyone that's listening to this, regardless of where you are in life, to focus on taking those small steps and enjoying the world that you live in on the way. Uh, And that accumulation of small efforts is really what will move you forward. Thanks again for listening to the show. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to give you a sneak peek at an upcoming episode of the podcast. So here's a snippet from a conversation I had with Tom from whatthefi.com. When I first got into this, I, I thought it was too late. And there was a lot of what was holding me back to where maybe I could have started, or maybe even earlier in my 30s or something like that. And the first thing I would say is you have to forgive yourself. I've made a ton of mistakes, as I'm sure you can attest to. I'm sure you within your own life. Uh, boneheaded mistakes financially, um, but you got to forgive yourself and just move along and realize that wherever you start, um, you're going to be so much better off in five, ten years from now and just focus on that. To read more about my story, be sure to follow me at Fi After 40 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also subscribe to receive updates whenever new content goes up at FIAFTER40.com. Also, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review. It makes a big difference. Thanks for listening.